Good morning. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Bridgewater. So glad to have you with us this morning. And we've been talking about hopes and fears. Last week we talked about what haunts us about our past. And we encourage you to write on a piece of paper those things that haunt you. And then encourage you to tear it up and throw it away. And then to focus on believing who Jesus says you are. No longer what your past says about you, but who Jesus says that you are. Because the reality is, is that the hope of Jesus changes everything. So to start us off this morning, the question is, what is causing you to fear this Christmas? What is causing you to fear this Christmas? You know, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about some things that um, I've done as a counselor, and I've tried to help others overcome anxiety and, and stress and fear about past. Uh, so I'm going to begin this morning with a little interactive exercise. So you're not allowed to fall asleep yet, all right? There's a little interactive here. So what I'm going to have you do is um, we're going to do what's called deep or controlled breathing, all right? Now... I'll explain it, and then we'll, we'll all do it together, all right? So to start with, um, you take a deep breath in for approximately three seconds, and then you pause and you hold for maybe one or two seconds, and then you take three seconds to let out your breath, okay? So that's a very basic explanation of deep breathing, but what's really important is that oftentimes when we become very fearful, our breathing becomes more rapid, right? So we're breathing from like our, the chest area as opposed to um, what we should be doing is breathing from our diaphragm. Anyone ever been in chorus before? You know, where they, don't, they teach you like, you know, you're supposed to sing from your diaphragm? At least that's what I learned anyways. Um, but so like that, you want to breathe from your diaphragm. You want to breathe from down here, okay, when we do it, okay? Are you ready? You going to do it with me? Yes, maybe? Okay, all right, good. All right, so on the count of three, we'll, we'll, we'll take a deep breath in, and then I'll count, and then we'll go from there. Ready? One, two, three. Um, now, typically, <clears throat> you want to do that for about approximately two minutes. It's, it's nice just to do that now. I don't know. I, I feel a little bit more relaxed. Um, but, but, but doing that for like two minutes will help you to, to stay more relaxed. All right. So that's one, one uh, technique that you can use. Another one is um, called um, visual imagery, and this involves all the senses. Now, if you know me, you know that I have a general dislike for the winter and cold weather, all right? I really like a white Christmas, so that's, I'm hoping for a white Christmas, but as of January 1st, I would like spring to come, okay? So, and one of the things when, when I would like teach people different techniques would be that I want to either do them myself or believe that they might actually work, or, or, why, or why would I teach them? So... I actually practiced this one in, for real. So what I did was, 
I wanted to give the, the image in my mind that I was on the beach. So I got an electric radiator heater and I stuck it next to the couch. I got in my board shorts and I put suntan lotion on. And then I got on the, on the, on the phone, I, I, I played the, the beach sounds, right? So, there I, so then I, I lay down and close my eyes and relax. And I'm like just taking it all in. And you know what? And it's because I'm involving so many of my senses, it's like tricking my brain. Because at the time, it was like 10 degrees in January. So I'm tricking my brain thinking I'm at the beach. And it was really relaxing. So I, I did. So I do. So I have taught that one because I think it can be effective. Um, an effective way to relax. Um, and it, it was truly relaxing. So those are just, those are just a couple of techniques. Um, that help to reduce stress and overcome fear. But sometimes our fears can be so paralyzing and that there's a bodily response that's most often referred to as fight or flight. This is when panic or fear sets in, the heart begins to beat rapidly, breathing quickens, and thoughts begin to race. We either want to run away from that trigger or we want to fight. But there's a third response in addition to the fight or flight, and that is to freeze. Sometimes we can be in such a dire situation that we freeze and do nothing to relax or improve our situation. I can recall one time when my son Elijah had a very high fever. He had, he had a seizure and was not responding. You know, I have this strange thing about me where I stay oddly calm in those situations. But my wife, Amanda, she was frozen in fear. She thought for sure he was dead. We were at a wedding reception, and she screamed out his name because he wasn't responding. The next thing you know, the DJ, who also happened to be a nurse, um, came over, tended to him, and then the ambulance came, and we attended to him and got his fever to come down. But what a scary situation. We can be easily frozen by fear. But if we watch the life of Jesus... We can see that our fears lose their power because Jesus is on the scene. The fears of this life lose their power because Jesus is on the scene. He is so much more powerful than any technique that I know of. Anything that I've ever observed is no one is more powerful than the power of Jesus. So yes, use these techniques that I had talked about, but then pour all that you have into Jesus. So now I want you to get a picture of what it may have been like for people during the time where Jesus was born. We're going to begin by reading in Luke chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Luke tells us here that Rome was in charge of the known world. And at that time, when Jesus was born, the Roman Empire conquered everything around the Mediterranean Sea. And as they did, they subjected everyone to their rule. Rome was known for their brutality and their force. While we may think about ways that we can complain about our own government, 
life under the rule of the Roman Empire was downright terrifying, especially for those who were marginalized. If you rebelled against the empire, they had the power, the army, to stop any rebellion and to do it quickly. In fact, the Roman legions perfected something that's called crucifixion in order to keep people that they conquered or were conquering in line. Crucifixion, while it wasn't invented by the Romans, they perfected this awful thing. And it was designed to break anyone who would dare go against them. One account is given of events occurring after the revolt led by Spartacus in 73 to 71 BC. There were 6,000 slaves that were taken into custody by Rome. And they were crucified along a 120-mile road stretch between Capua and Rome. Each victim was hung on a cross low at eye level so that every traveler would know what would happen if you dared defy Rome. All of this, the publicity of it, the gruesome nature, the indignity was designed to remind you that Rome was in charge. And don't you dare go against them. This was the world that Jesus was born into. A world that was filled with brutality. A world ruled by force and fear. The Roman world was ruled by a man named Caesar Augustus. This man declared himself to be a son of God. He offered peace and forgiveness to his people, but only if you swore allegiance to Caesar. If not, you would die. And furthermore, he printed on coins, Caesar is Lord. So by threat of force, if you wanted peace during the time Jesus was born, you needed to worship Caesar as God. They also had a massive taxation, a taxation rate of 40%. So, there, so if you had $100 that you made, then you would have to give $40 of that to Caesar. And this is the context and the reasoning for the, why this powerful ruler would require a census. Because then, now he knows how much taxes he should be getting. Consider this historical context as we enter the Christmas story. Going back to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the worst, how fearful do you think the people may have been when Jesus was born? What do we think? Huh? Ten, one to ten. You could say it out loud. Ten. Yes. That's what I think. I think they were terrified. And they had reason to be terrified. So let's take a look at fears at the first Christmas. Economically, taxation was unbearable. 
So at that time, like I said, 40%, that's quite a bit. Maybe, there's, maybe you have a lot of fears related to uh, the economy, related to your own personal finances. Maybe some of those fears dominate your thinking. Politically, Rome is ruling. No one is free. Religiously, Caesar is declaring himself to be a god. Prophetically, God has been silent for 400 years. The prophet Malachi was 400 years before this. Familial, having to travel, Mary and Joseph having to travel as a family um, at this season, traveling to stay and end up staying in a stable um, and having the baby, having the baby Jesus there. So lots of stresses were there at the first Christmas. So what difference does it make to have Jesus on the scene as it relates to fears in life? Let's read more in chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here are some lowly shepherds just doing their job, and they enter into this story. For God's people, they had long awaited for the prophesied Messiah who would save the people from their sins. Could this be the one? In the midst of all they're experiencing, could they dare to hope? Take note of what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 when he begins his public ministry. Beginning in verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as it was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The people of God were certainly have, would certainly have felt oppressed by the government at this time. They're fearful of what would happen next. They were afraid of the control that the government had over them. And please note here that at no point during this does Jesus say that the freedom is in overthrowing the brutal, corrupt government. But freedom comes in the person of Jesus himself. He sets the captives free. Where are you looking for hope this Christmas? Where are you looking for hope this Christmas? Perhaps you're feeling the stress of gift buying, cost of food, utilities, and so on. As I've observed, the cost of living increase following COVID, the struggle is real. 
a quick trip to the grocery store, which may have costed $50 before, now is like 80 or 100 sometimes. I'm like, whoa. Like, it's, the struggle is real. And on a daily basis, we can put our hope in so many different things. Perhaps a person named Tom is putting his hope in the government. That if only the right bills would be passed, that all would be right in the world. Maybe there's a person named Sam. By the way, these aren't actual people that, like, all right. Um, There's a person named Sam who puts her hope in a relationship with a man, hoping that he will fulfill a void in her heart. Maybe there's a guy named Fred, and he's hoping that when he visits with his family at the holidays, that there'll be no conflict this time, and his family will finally accept him. But I'm going to read a quote here regarding hope. This is, um, this is from New Morning Mercies. This is a devotional. Um, <clears throat> and it begins like this. Hope is not a thing, not a location, not a situation, not an experience. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. Whether you have realized it or not, he is what your, your hoping heart has been searching for. Because what you've really been searching for is life. Real, heart-changing, heart-satisfying life. Life to the fullest. Life abundant. People can love and respect you, but they can't give you life. Situations can make your life easier, but they can't give you life. Locations can bring some changes to your life, but... They can't give you life. True, lasting hope is never found horizontally. It's only found vertically at the feet of the Messiah, the one who is hope. The question is, who or what is your king? Who or what is your king? Ultimately, What you hope in is your king. What you hope in is your king. Consider what dominates your thinking throughout the day. In fear, maybe you dream and fantasize about winning the lottery or that infamous check in the mail. Do you put your hopes in finding the right man or woman? And then when you have that person, all your dreams will come true? One of the I, uh, one of my most disliked quotes is from a movie called Jerry Maguire. Some may, it's a ro- this is a romantic movie. I've actually never seen the movie. I've only heard the quote, okay, or the scene that it happens. And in that scene, so sorry, ladies, if you're upset with me about this, but um, in that scene, Tom Cruise says to the other lady, um, he says, you complete me. And, oh, it's very touching and everything. Um, but, uh, but, but the, I just, I see this so often, you see, because we are created to first have a close relationship with Jesus. But sometimes the expectation of a spouse is that they'll fulfill the role that Jesus should have in our lives. I'll tell you that my wife is amazing. It's true. But... I better not try to get from her fulfillment that I should be getting from my relationship with Jesus. I'll tell you, 
When we first dated and got married, she had an exceptionally high view of me. Mm -hmm. Yep. She thought I knew everything about the Bible, and I was this great godly man and was blinded from my flaws. Well, I tell you what, it did not take long after we were married for her to realize how much I fell short. That was a reality. Um, But she still loves me. Is it, so it may be a relationship that you're putting all your hope in. And maybe, maybe it's that dream job or your dream place to live. Perhaps it's just the hope that a parent will finally accept you for who you are. Maybe you hope that every time, that maybe this time you'll do enough so that he or she will love you in the way in which you desire. I'm telling you that hope, the hope of Jesus is real. He may not take away the struggle or the difficult circumstance, but he will be with you. He loves and accepts you after all. He created you. He died on the cross and rose again for your sins and for mine. And he loves us dearly. And he desires us to pursue after him. And as we wrap up today... I want to leave you with some thoughts uh, to remind you to hope in Jesus because we can say today, oh, yes, I'm going to hope in Jesus and I'm going to rely on him and I'm going to grow my walk with him, but practically it's a day-to-day sort of thing. So I want to give you some practical ideas on how to, how to have this happen uh, on a regular basis. The first one is to find a tool that keeps you close to Jesus. Maybe it might be effective for you to open your Bible and and choose a book or choose a passage and and do it that way as far as spending time in the Bible. But I've found that it's extremely helpful to use a tool that keeps you in the Word, that helps you along so that you can grow and interact with the Scripture. Um, And there's so many of those out there uh, that we can be doing on a daily basis so that we can have that hope. Um, the one, the one is uh, the quote I shared earlier with you from New Morning Mercies. It's an ex- exceptional devotional. Um, in fact, there is a devotion from this morning that's, God just is so cool like that. I did my devotions this morning in that, and it was just about what we're talking about. So if you want to see that, that's on the Welcome Center on the way out. I made a copy of it. Um, you can take that on your way out this morning. So there's New Morning Mercies. There's what's called the Version Bible app that you can download on your phone. Um, we have on-track devotions um, as well as other devotionals out at the Welcome Center. And also there's something called the Abide app. If you really like the way I started the service with those techniques, um, those things are incorporated into, uh, into scripture reading, into prayer. Uh, in other words, to abide, abide in Jesus um, so it's a really good app. I encourage you to get. Um, it could be very helpful um, in helping you pursue your hope in Jesus. And then the next is to get and keep connection with others that are pursuing after Jesus. This is why we constantly, uh, annoyingly push small groups because life is better connected. Um, so, and I know many of the small groups 
are on break until after the new year. But don't let that be a time where you get disconnected. Stay connected with other people. Go to coffee. Um, have people over. Like, stay connected with other people that are following Jesus because we need that. We need that connection and to pursue after Jesus with others. And the, the last one there is discover how you can serve him. In what way can you serve Jesus? Because that's another way that um, our hope can grow in Jesus when we're serving him. I, there's no better thing, I don't think, in life than serving him. And so discover how you can serve him. I'm going to end this morning with reading a, a, a compilation of passages um, that I think would be an encouragement to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Whoops, went back to the beginning, sorry. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cries and saves them. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have told you that these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how much you love us. I'm still floored by that, Lord, by how much you love us, for your mercy and your grace in our lives, for sending your Son uh, to be born in, by such humble means, and, and uh, to be born uh, to live the perfect life, to ultimately die on a cross and rise again so that we could have life. Lord, I pray that if there's any that don't know you here this morning, that today would be the day that they choose to follow you. I pray, God, that, um, that this Christmas season, that our focus would be upon you and uh, just draw us close to you. Any of those that are hurting, God, I pray that you would comfort and strengthen them right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.